Let's take our Bibles this morning, please turn to John chapter 13. In John chapter 13. <clears throat> our young people had a good time at the uh, Higher Call Summit. Higher Call Summit, I guess is what they called it. And uh, they got a lot of good preaching. Phenomenal preaching. My wife and I went up on Friday night and uh, we're thrilled to hear the gospel message again, and many young people responded. I'm not sure how the, we didn't go Saturday, but I'm not sure how the whole weekend went, but I know on Friday night, five or six, uh, accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we're thrilled about that. And so, Brother Baker, did you hear of any more yesterday? Um, I, I think so, one or two. Any from our group at all? Uh, we, had, we had one saved last night. One saved last night, praise the Lord. Friday. Friday night, praise the Lord, so... And uh, what, what was it, Brandon? Brandon from Waterford, and we, uh, Brother Baker sent a text or an email to the mother and said, your son accepted Christ as Savior, and she wrote back, she says, this is what we've been praying for and hoping for, and uh, we're looking for a church right now, and he said, come on over. So pray about this family, that they'll come and, and be a part here, and uh, pray for those young people that accepted Christ. You know, a, a week and a half, uh, I guess it was last week, we had a uh, one of our bus parents come in and uh, kind of at the end of her rope and she came with a, a friend of hers and so Cindy and I talked to them and for about 45 minutes I shared with her the gospel and was very straight with her, very almost made it very difficult almost for her to wriggle out of it and uh, yet she, she just kept saying, well I, I, I did that. I, I went to Bethel when I was a little girl, rode the bus from Waterford in the 90s and uh, I did that, I did that. How many people hear people say that all the time? I did that, I did that. But how many of you also know that sitting across the room from her, I could just tell there wasn't true faith in the heart. She was there to get what she could. And, and so we spent a lot of time with her, and, and I thought more and more. The other night, this young man came, and we, I took him out, and Ethan Marks was able to lead Ethan Marks to the Lord. He accepted Christ, and I thought... We really need to be reaching people while they're young because it seems like the devil puts blinders on, doesn't he? And steals that seed out of the heart. Even the children that came here years ago, and they come, well, I did that, I did that, and yet they don't seem to have a genuine faith. And so we need to really be praying for these young people that made professions of faith. Uh, that they would. Uh, I went to their pastor right away, Pastor Pennell, and I said, listen, Brother Pennell, I said, Ethan accepted Christ tonight, and would you please, he said, I'll follow up on him, don't worry about that. He says, he just started coming to church two weeks ago, so they praise the Lord that he is saved. So continue to pray. Uh, it's a burden on my heart. I'm excited that uh, this young man accepted Christ, but I'm burdened that this other lady would hear the gospel over and over, and yet just say, I did that. And you could tell she couldn't. We said, well, what's it mean to be saved? No idea. And uh, I went to church when I was a little girl, and that's all that really mattered. And so uh, we really need to keep praying for our NETS program, keep praying for people preaching the gospel and telling others about Christ, and praying that the harvest field, the Bible says the harvest field's ripe. We just need workers to go out and reach them. And you've got to find them sometimes, but they're there, and uh, they need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We're going to talk this morning about Jesus, the humble servant. Jesus, the humble servants in our portrait of Christ series. The Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. 
After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not to save Needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said to them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the servant heart of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you today that we can come and worship you through him, that he has removed that wall of partition, that he sits at your right hand and is interceding for us even now. So, Father, we praise you and ask you, Lord, today that you'd help us as we learn more about him, that you draw us closer to him that you would use your Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak to our hearts and move us today. Father, I need your help, and I pray that you'd fill me and use me. Help me, Lord, as I feel so inadequate and unworthy to stand here today and preach this message, Lord, of the greatest servant who ever lived. And Father, I pray that some of it would rub off on us. Taking a long look at Jesus Christ and his servanthood, that it would affect us in some way. May your spirit do his work now, we pray. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is about to embark on the most excruciating 24 hours, I believe, that ever has been known to mankind. It will take him to the depths of humiliation, agony, and sacrifice. Be betrayed by his friends, forsaken and denied by a faithful companion, Abandoned by his closest followers, tortured by his enemies, and crucified for your sins, and forsaken by his Father. Yet Jesus, rather than taking this time to bolster himself, to prepare himself for what was about to happen, he decides he will teach his disciples a dying lesson. He would serve them. Just take the time to love on them a little bit. Take some time to wash the disciples' feet. And humanly speaking, uh, he would establish that the master is not greater than the servant. He would show them and then he would prove it to them in the greatest act of love just a few hours later at Calvary. I have a question for you this morning. Does Jesus still wash our feet today? I'm not talking about in a physical sense. The Bible goes on in verse 15 where it says, For I have given to you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater. In verse 14 he says, I have washed, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Anybody want to wash my feet this morning? It's not really part of our culture, is it? 
The message that we are getting this morning is simply this. The culture of that day was that if you came in, 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 into somebody's home and your feet were dry and dusty from the roads and they'd only had sandals, of course, they would wash your feet. The servant would come and unloose your shoe and put it into a basin of water and tenderly wash your feet then dry them off and then you were ready to enter into the main living area of the home. It was an act of humility and an act of servanthood. And we think about it in that terms, we have to answer, yes, Jesus does still wash our feet. He still cares about us in a great way. He humbles himself and serves us on a daily basis. First of all, he watches over our temporal care. The Bible talks about the lilies of the field, how they are clothed in splendor, and yet we are so much more important. The Bible says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and yet not one of them falls to the ground without God seeing it, and we are more important than the sparrows. He says, not one hair shall fall from our head that he does not take notice. Even the hairs of our heads are numbered. Every need, even the smallest need or burden that we have can be taken to the throne of grace. He is seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father, and He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He takes care of our temporal needs. Years ago, we, we were a growing family. We had three children that were in car seats, and Bethany hadn't come along yet. And how many of you ever had a car from the 70s? Mr. Cahill, did you ever have a car, one of those big boats of a car? Did you ever have one of those? You could fit everything in those cars, couldn't you? These cars they make today, you put three car seats in them and you slam one door and the other door pops open. And that was hap literally happening. We had a Pontiac 6000, 1989 Pontiac 6000, and we'd slam that one door and the other door would pop open. We'd run around, slam it, and the other door would pop open. We realized we're in trouble here. We can't get all the kids. And so we decided to put one in the front seat and all the mothers gasp. You can't put a child in the front seat, but we had no choice. We couldn't close the doors. I, I, you know, you look at me like that, but I remember riding to Florida in the back window of the car. I remember the best seat in the car was sitting on the handrest that folded down in the front seat. Back then, the kids weren't too good to go through the windshield with the rest of the family, amen? And so we, we, we got in that car and we, and we said, we got to start praying for a van. So we began to pray for a van and we prayed with our kids and our kids were just little and one day Brendan came to me and says, Dad, what color is that van going to be that God's given us? I said, I don't know, son, but God sure likes faith like that, so you keep praying. And the next day he came and he says, Dad, God's going to give us a blue van. I said, why is God going to give us a blue van? He says, because that's what I'm praying for. That was a Saturday. On Sunday, a friend of mine came to church. He says, hey, one of my neighbors is getting rid of this van. He wants me to just take it, give it to somebody. He says, they didn't think he could make the trip when they went out east, but it's only got 140,000 kilometers on it. Are you interested? I said, yeah, I'll come look at it. Guess what color it was? It was a blue Ford Aerostar. He said, God doesn't care about the little details. Oh, but for the faith of a little boy to teach him a lesson, he sure did. God is concerned about our temporal care. God is concerned about our spiritual care. He watches over us in our daily walk with him. Speaking of washing the feet today, he washed away our sins at the cross of Calvary. At the bar of justice, we are forever forgiven. Because we stand there pardoned, justified in the sight of God Almighty because Christ has washed away our sins. He is our great high priest, knows our suffering. The Bible says he has been touched by our infirmities. By the way, he has not been polluted or infected by our infirmities, but he has been touched by them. He knows what it feels to sorrow. He stood at the grave of Lazarus and he wept. 
Knowing full well he'd raise him from the dead, but he knew the sorrow of Mary and Martha. We don't read of Joseph's fa- or, uh, Jesus' father, Joseph, after his childhood. At 12 years old is the last time we read anything in the Bible about Joseph. He knew what it was like, Brother Martin, to lose his father. He sympathizes with you. And he empathizes with you. He knows our hurt and he knows our sorrow. He's watching over our spiritual care. He knows so well all of our needs. Yes, I would say that Jesus is still washing our feet today. He's still serving us as the Son of Man. I want you to notice some things from the Scripture this morning as we consider this thought. I want you to notice how Jesus served. Not just that He served, but how He served. You can say, well, I I already understand, Pastor, that He served with a humble spirit. I think that goes without saying, doesn't it? The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that he humbled himself and became obedient under the death of the cross. Being found in fashion as a man, he, he was also a servant. But I want you to notice that the Bible, as it talks about his humility, it talks about how he bowed himself at the feet of his disciples. I don't know about you, but I can't think of anything more demeaning than somebody's feet. Do you understand what I'm saying? If, we, if I were to say this morning, if I were to say, listen now, we're, we're, we're just halfway through our first hymn. We want you to greet each other this morning. I want you to go around to everybody and shake their foot. You'd say, well, I'm not touching anybody's feet. I mean, I'll shake their hand. I'm hoping they wash their hands. Some of you ladies might have even gave a little hug. Some of you ladies might have even kissed somebody on the cheek. I don't know. You might have leaned in. and Maybe it was a friend very close, and so you gave them a little kiss on the cheek. I don't know. But you wouldn't think about touching their feet. That's just nasty. I mean, they smell. They're dirty. And yet, Jesus lowered himself in humility to wash the feet of his disciples. I'm not going to talk about his humility today, for we already know that he is the humble servant. But I want you to see how he served. Verse 3, it gives us the first hint. I want you to notice, first of all, he served having completed his mission. He served having completed his mission. You say, well, wait a minute. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. He hasn't died on Calvary. Do you understand that when Jesus Christ sets out to do something, it's already done? When Jesus Christ was anointed uh, to to come to this earth, to lay aside his glory, to be born of the Virgin Mary, to, to be raised in humility and to die upon a cross, the moment God ordained it, it was finished. Jesus only had to carry out the physical work. Look what the Bible says in verse 3. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. You know, it's interesting a lot of people say today still, and, and I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not trying to tear something out of context. People say, well, we're all created in the image of God. I, I say that's wrong. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, and then they sinned. Now we're created in the image of man. If I were creating the image of God, the Bible will not have to be, say this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. God wouldn't have to say that to me if I was already in his image. 
He wouldn't have to say, be conformed and be transformed. He wouldn't have to say, put on and put off some things in my life in Colossians chapter 2. He wouldn't have to say, mortify the deeds of this flesh if I were truly in the image of God. But I'm a sinner made in the image of Adam. It wasn't until Jesus Christ died, and, and so this became the domain of Satan. The Bible says he's the prince and the power of this air. The Jesus says, old Pharisees, your father, the devil, he's ruling this earth. But Jesus knew at that moment that God had given him all things into his hand. Jesus now had the power over heavens and earth again. Jesus was about to take the keys of death and hell. Jesus had the power uh, to, to cancel sin, to justify us before the Father. And so he says this, he says, uh, the scripture simply talks about Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. In other words, the mission was completed. The work that Jesus claimed to accomplish, uh, Jesus dying on the cross would, would finish the task, but he already knew that God had completed it in his life. In John chapter 17, before Jesus ever died, he says, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. That's what Jesus said. You can argue with me, but you can't argue with Jesus. You say, what is the point? The point is this. So often, people will finish their mission, and they'll say, it's time for someone else to serve. Now, Jesus still had to go to Calvary. Nobody could take his place. Jesus still had to die, shed his blood, and go to the grave and raise from, from, hell, or from death. We understand that. But as far as his earthly investment in those people, it was done. This was the Last Supper. The next people he would see would be Roman soldiers in a garden. These were the last chance he would have to invest into these people. And though all things had been delivered into his hand, and although he had finished all the work he had been called to do, in John chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 31, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. What he is saying is, my work on earth is done. It's time to be glorified. And yet he didn't quit serving. I was just talking to somebody in the hallway today. They said, Pastor, we need some help in our class. I said, okay. I said, um, what, what have you done? Have you talked to people? What have you, I wanted to know what they were doing so that I could jump in and help. And they said, well, I've talked to a lot of people. And they said, nope, I've served my time. My heart broke. I've served my time? Wow. I can say that because I don't know who said it. I don't know who, who, but she said, it's been several people that have just simply said, I've, I've done my time. Really? Can you imagine coming to the Last Supper and Jesus finishes the meal and the scripture says this, Jesus stood up among them and said, I'm done. I've served my time. Jesus never retired. His mission was complete. His earthly investment was done and yet he says, I'm still going to serve you. I don't have to. I want to. I don't have to. I get to. I'm going to get down in front of those dirty old feet and I'm going to wash them. I'm going to be honest with you. We, we, we turn up our nose. I say, hey, uh, let's, all, let's all do this. On the way out today, we're going to have Brother Took take off his shoes and let's all wash his feet on the way out the door. Let's do that today. And we all go, huh? 
I'm not doing that. You're, we'll all go out the back door today, thank you. And we just turn up our noses. I got I to gotta think that Brother Took or Brother Ronson's feet are a whole lot cleaner than Peter's. Peter's running through dusty streets with open sewers. and I mean, and yet Jesus says, I'll still serve you. I don't have to. Jesus, my Father's already given me all things in my hands. I, I've accomplished everything I need to accomplish this side of Calvary. The work that, that was anointed for me to do up until this point is all complete. And yet I'll serve you. When is retirement for a Christian? When do we get to pack it in on Jesus? Do you know the Bible says that Jesus will return and his reward is in his hand for what he finds us doing? Oh, but I served you for years. No, no, what are you doing? Jesus never quit, he never stopped. He kept serving. A lot of us in this room will say, well, I used to do this and I used to do that and I used to do the other thing. Hey, keep doing something for Jesus. Keep doing something for him. The example, and by the way, you say, is it an example? Jesus said it was an example. This is what I want you to do. Love one another by serving one another. He served having completed his mission. As a matter of fact, you know that all of the disciples served until they died? Most of them were martyred except for John. And yet here we find him as an old, old man on the Isle of Patmos. And the Bible says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And God came down. And he gave us the great book of Revelation. They never retired. They kept serving God. Jesus served having completed his mission. Secondly, he served cumbered not with motives. There was no guile in him. There was no motive behind it other than I just want to love on these guys. There was, you know, often people today will serve another trying to move up in life. They will serve to hold the advantage of over another. They will serve looking for a favor in return whether or not now, now or down the road. Have you, ever, have you ever thought to yourself, boy, i got to be careful serving this guy or asking a favor of this guy because he's going to expect something later on. Boy, he's going to hold that over my head. I better not ask a favor of him because he'll never let me forget it and I'm going to owe him for the rest of my life. Jesus just served because he loved people. He wasn't trying to get ahead. He already knew where he was heading that it would not get him there any faster by serving. Look what the Bible says in verse 3, the second part. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hand, and look what it says, and that he was come from God and went to God. Look at verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Can I tell you something? If Jesus had never washed the feet of the disciples, he was still going back to his Father. That was already determined in verse 1. The hour was here. He was going to return to his Father, come out of this world. The work had been finished. His mission was completed. And yet he says, I'm still going to serve. It didn't matter one iota. It wasn't going to help him in life. A lot of times we serve others just hoping that it'll raise our stature a little bit. We're not concerned so much that the Lord sees us doing it. We want others to see us doing it. 
The Bible says, let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I used to have a fellow in the church years ago that he would keep a $50 bill in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Chapter 9, sorry. You know what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says? God loveth a cheerful giver. He'd keep a $50 bill tucked in there. He'd say, Pastor, he says, when I come to church, he says, I set my Bible on the chair. And he says, and I go and I visit with people, and he's, he, he would help with our offering and such. And so he says, sometimes after church, I'm counting offering in the back. He says, if there's a teenager that ever has a need, whether it's going to camp, whether it's an activity, he says, whether they need food in their home, it doesn't matter. If there's a young person in the church that has a need, he says, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, take that $50 bill and give it to him. He says, don't, don't ask me, don't tell me. I don't want to know who it is. Just take it. And he says, in the next service, there'll be another $50 bill there. He says, let not the right hand know what the left hand is doing. So I don't want to know a thing about it. Just take it and use it for God's glory. What a great attitude. What a servant's heart. God had blessed him and he wanted to be a blessing to others and Jesus just wanted to be a blessing. He wasn't looking for personal recognition. He wasn't looking for anybody to to applaud him. He just simply got down on his knees and he washed those disciples' feet. It wasn't going to help him in his station in his life. It wasn't going to get him to heaven any faster. It wasn't going to reunite him with his father any quicker. He just did it because he loved people. He wasn't looking for a favor in return. There was no quid pro quo. There was no, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It was just, I love you, and I want to serve you. This was just simply Jesus living what he preached. It was the full embodiment of what he was teaching his disciples. In the age we live, it is sad there always has to be something in return. There are very few who live their lives in ultimate surrender and service to others. Instead, many have their hands out looking to be served. Often we complain that we don't serve because we don't like the requirements or the standards that have been set. Well, you know, I'd serve, but I don't, I don't like the standards. I'd serve, but I don't, I don't like the rules. I'd serve, but I don't, I don't like the authority. I'd serve, but, 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 but. Can I show you what the Bible says in John 13? Look at verse 36. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou, follow, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Now, Jesus just told Peter, One day you're going to die for me. One day you'll follow me. Not now, but one day. You say, well, I don't think Peter understood that. Well, Jesus said, what did Jesus say in verse 38? I will lay down my life for thy sake now. I'll do it right now. Why can't I follow thee now? I'll die now. I'm willing to do it now. I'll die right now, Lord. Look at John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Verse 17, the Bible says, 
He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he signifying by that what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast to supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeth him, uh, Peter seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but if I will tarry he should, till I come, what is that to thee? So Jesus says to Peter, Do you love me? He says for the third time, Yes, you know I love you. He says, And feed my sheep. One day, Peter, somebody's going to carry you where you would not go. Jesus says, this spake he concerning the death which he would die. He said, oh, but Peter didn't understand that. Peter didn't, Peter didn't know he was talking about his death. But later on, when they were talking about, he, Peter turned to John. Peter must have got taken aback a little bit. And he goes, well, what about him? You mean I'm going to have to die? What about him? Well, if I tarry till he comes, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And the other disciples knew very well that they were speaking about death. Because the rumor went around that, oh, John's not going to die till Jesus comes. Jesus, I didn't say that. I said, if I tarry till he come, what is that to thee? They knew very well he was talking about giving his life. And after he says, he says, you're going to be carried somewhere where he would not go. He spake signifying his death. He said to Peter, follow thou me. He said, I don't like the standards. Peter was asked to die. Peter was asked to give himself, his life. Jesus told him twice that he would one day be carried. One day he would follow him. Twice he told him he was going to die. And don't you think for a minute Peter didn't understand. Then he said, follow me, Peter. He said, well, I, I can't sing in the choir because they, they asked me to comb my hair and brush my teeth. Ooh. They, they require the men wear ties if they're going to be on the platform. I, I don't like those standards. Hey, they asked Peter to die. They asked Peter to die. Maybe what we need is a little dying to self. We don't like the standards. We don't like the authority in our lives. Listen, we need to die to self. Paul said, I die daily. I keep my body under subjection lest I become a castaway. Useless for God because he's not willing to adhere to the standards of God's word. Jesus was willing to serve but he wasn't cumbered with motives. Sometimes we serve and we'll say, well, we'll serve if it's on my condition. We'll serve as long as it goes my way. We'll serve as long as it fits my schedule. Oh, we need to die to self. We need to serve because we love God. There is no retirement. There is no end to service. Jesus served, having completed his mission. Jesus served, not being cumbered with motives. And Jesus served being clearly the master. Look what the scripture says in John chapter 13 again, in verse 6. 
Then cometh he to Simon Peter and saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? What did Peter call him? Lord. Jesus answered, said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know thereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. What was Peter's problem? I've got to be honest with you. I kinda, I, I'm kind of like Peter a little bit. Jesus, you're not washing my feet. How many of you would be comfortable with Jesus washing your feet? Let's be honest here. We say, well, ah, Peter, boy, he's a rebellious spirit. You wouldn't be comfortable with it either. If Jesus walked in the door today and said, everybody take off your shoes, we, we would say, no, master. You're our savior. We should be washing your feet. We're not even worthy to do that. And yet Jesus was clearly the master. They called him Lord. They called him Savior. They called him Master. They said, my Lord and my God. They said, thou art the son of the living God. He was clearly the master, and yet he washed their feet. The traditional rank and file of both the Jewish and the Roman systems in that day were just shattered by Jesus. He didn't expect to be served. He expected to serve others. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Years ago, the President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, made that famous quote, Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I got thinking, wouldn't that be a great model for a church? Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. Ask not what your Savior can do for you. He's already done it. But what you can do for your Savior. It didn't matter that he was, he said, well, I'm in charge of the Sunday school class, and so everybody needs to do what they're told. I'm in charge. Oh, that's not a servant's heart. Jesus said the earth is his footstool, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. That is the name above all names. That Jesus has put all things under his feet. That he is the head of the church. And yet he never walked around and said, I'm in charge. He walked around and said, let me wash your feet. Let me heal your sick. Let me touch the leper that nobody else will touch. He had a servant's heart first. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister unto others. Our society has the idea that the master should be served. There are elite people today that expect a certain quality to life that can only be achieved if they are lording over others. You ever been in an airport? I get a kick out of the airport sometimes. You see these businessmen come through? You ever seen those guys? And they have like the $1,000 suits on. And they, they're sitting up there getting their shoes shined by those young men. They'll get up there and they'll get... The, I've no, I got no problem with somebody that wants to shine somebody's shoes and they make a living at it. That, I'm not fine with that. But you can just see their attitude up there. Sit up there so proud and they got their feet. I sit back and I watch them just giggle. I mean, you got to have something to kill those hours in the airport, right? And, and they, they sit up there and they got this real proud look and they're, they're reading the newspaper or something and they don't even talk to the fellow. They don't pay any attention to him. He's just the shoe shine boy. Boy, that, I don't like that elitism, that, that idea that somebody is better than another. And listen, Jesus never bought into it either. Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords who stooped at the feet of his disciples. He washed their feet. He served even though he was clearly the master. Jesus shattered the myths of that attitude over and over again by serving others. Turn, if you will, to Luke 
chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Look at, if you will, in verse 25. Actually, back up to verse 24. It's good as well. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater... He that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. Who's the greatest at the table? Is it the king that sits at the head? Is it the queen that sits at the foot? Is it the prince that sits in the middle? Or is it he that serveth? And Jesus answers the question. He says, well, of course, it's those that sit at the table. But guess who I'm hanging out with? I'm hanging out with the servants. Because that's my heart. And the greatest among you should be the least, and the older, the eldest, should act as the younger, and he that is chief, he should serve. That's the attitude that Christ preached. Look back in our text this morning in John chapter 13. Read with me verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. I am your Master and Lord. If then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If he know these things, if he know these things, look what the next phrase is, happy are ye if ye do them. I wonder if we have a bunch of miserable Christians in this world today because they're not serving. They know the truth, but they don't do it. Brother Scott Cowell I don't know if you folks know Scott Cowell or not. Scott Cowell works with Reformers Unanimous in uh, Bridgeport, Michigan. He has seven men's homes and a ladies' home there for people that are addicted. His father, I believe, is, uh, was named Howard Cowling. How many of you remember uh, Howard Cowell or Cowling? He used to preach here every year, apparently, back in the 70s and 80s, I guess. Uh, he was on vacation. He had family in the East Coast. Stopped for a Wednesday night every year, and Dr. Strack would have him preach. And I, I never knew that. But I met Scott and became friends with Scott, and, and uh, he was telling me about these homes. And he said this. He said, when we get these fellas, and they come in off the streets, and they're into drugs and alcohol and everything, he says, we work with them right away. And he says, and we have a mandate that within three weeks, they have to be serving somehow. He says, some of them we can't, we can't put in, a, in, in a, a place where there's ladies or children around. They've got some real problems. He says, but he says, uh, we can have them washing dishes and we can have them doing this and do that. And I said, I said what is your philosophy in that? He says, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. He says, we believe that when people begin serving God, God begins to use them and they have self-worth, not because of who they are, but because they're serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And boy, what a privilege that is. And God blesses them and begins to change their life. The Bible says, happy are ye 
if you do them. We know we're to be servants. And that's where our joy comes from. God desires for each of us to serve one another. Let me give you three things quickly and we're done. First of all, we have an instruction to serve. We have an instruction to serve. The Bible says in John chapter 13, uh, verse 14, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. We've been instructed to serve. Listen to this, Galatians 5.13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. We've been instructed to serve. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's a servant. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable what? Service. Why, I heard Brother Shetler the other night say this. He says, here's the problem with a living sacrifice. Sometimes it crawls off the altar. We need to crawl back on the altar, Amen. We need to lay ourselves out that we might be servants to Almighty God. We have an instruction to serve. Secondly, we have an incentive to serve. Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. You remember I said Jesus had no motives other than to serve people. Washing the disciples' feet was not going to get him out of the cross. He had no motives. He wasn't trying to step on people's back. He wasn't trying to look for a favor in return. But look at the incentive that God gives us for serving. John chapter 12 and verse 24. And the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. And if any man serve me, him will my father honor. You're looking for the smile of God upon your life? Just serve him. Serve him in obedience. We have an instruction to serve, an incentive to serve, but we also have an inspiration to serve. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 and we'll close with this. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You say, if I want to serve God properly, who do I look to? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Boy, that verse always catches me. Everybody today is so worried about their reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He wasn't worried what people thought of him. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But look what happened. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was a servant. He's instructed us to be a servant. He's inspired us to be servants. But he's also given us incentive to be servants. Him will the Lord honor. So I don't know about you, I, 
We ought to serve whether there's incentive or not. We ought to serve God because he loves us, he died for us, he paid the price for our sins. But the Bible says he's also going to honor those who serve him. What a wonderful thing. I, I don't know about, have you ever had an earthly honor? I've been in some of your homes and I've seen the plaques on the walls. 30 years of service at this company or, you know, you got a pen on your desk that was given for something. I, I mean, those are nice. But don't get me wrong, your boss doesn't own the cattle on a thousand hills. You understand what I'm saying? Your boss isn't preparing you a home in heaven. He can't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive it, like it says in Malachi. Our God wants to honor us if we'll serve him with perfect hearts and whole hearts. There's something you might have missed in that verse. Not only does the Bible say that God would honor them in John chapter 12, but it also says this. Go back and read it with me one more time. If a man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. In other words, Jesus hangs out with those that are serving him. You draw closer to Jesus through service. You wonder why somebody will say, well, I used to go to that church to serve God, and yet they're so far from God today, they couldn't find him. Because those who serve him, Jesus says, that's where I am. I'm right there with them. It's right there in the scripture. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Nobody's looking around. Jesus was the humble servant. And then he says, because I've washed your feet, you ought to go and wash the feet of others. Paul put it this way, You've been called into liberty. We have liberty in Christ Jesus, but don't use it to serve the flesh. Use it to serve one another in love. Are you serving like you ought to be? What are you doing for Christ Jesus? Can I tell you this? The workers that we do have are getting worn out. We need some other people to pick it up. We have some people that used to get involved again. We need some young people that have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and say, that's the kind of life I want. I want a life that I know that Jesus is going to bless and God is going to honor because I'm going to give my life to service. I'm going to be that living sacrifice. I'm going to follow after Christ with all my heart. And if Jesus can wash my feet, I certainly can do that for another. That's what the local church needs is servants. Maybe there's some here today that need to make that straight with the Lord. Make a commitment to God today. You say, well, I'm 90 years old. It doesn't matter how old you are. Sarah was having babies at 90. He said, well, I don't want that. I'm not saying God's going to do that. God wants to do something with your life. We don't ever get to retire in the service of the king. What are you doing for Christ? Let's stand to our feet this morning. The piano is going to begin to play. If God spoke to your heart, would you step out and come? Use this old-fashioned altar. Remember that old song we sang a week or two ago? More, so much more. I wish I had given him more. Here's your opportunity. Don't go to heaven with regrets. Who's willing to do more for Jesus Christ? Who is willing to start doing something for Jesus Christ? Will you serve him by serving others? The altar's open. If you would like to come, you come.